And the Red Agenda is brought to you by Bet365. It's the world's favourite online betting company. By downloading the Bet365 app, you can access both pre-match and in-play markets, along with instant match updates for all games. The Bet365 Bet Builder also allows you to make personalised bets via the app, so you can bet on multiple scenarios and create your own bet with unique odds right there in your own hands. Bet365 is the world's favourite online sport betting company. The app can be downloaded from Google Play and Apple App Store over a teens only. Please gamble responsibly. Hundreds of thousands hold their breath on Merseyside. It's Xabi Alonso for three. Three is saved and Alonso follows it in. It's wonderful. It's marvellous. It's 3-3 in the European Cup final. This is the Red Agenda exclusive to The Athletic. I'm Steve Hothersall, James Pearce and Simon Hughes are here and Liverpool are two games away from the Premier League title. Uh, but does it feel as it should feel, given all the health concerns of the coronavirus? Let's talk with the boys. Morning, James. Morning, Simon. Morning, morning um, Steve. Yeah, how, how does it feel, do you think? Has the shine been taken off things? I've got to be honest. I Last night, watching the, the Manchester derby, you know, Liverpool... It's guaranteed they're going to win it now, more or less. And when Man United scored, I did jump up off the seat. <laughs> First time I've ever celebrated a Man United goal. Mm-hmm. And then within the space of an hour, I'm getting texts off people about potential stadium closures, etc., etc. You know, decision today. And I've got to be honest, yeah, it did. It, it's it has on a personal level, sort of um, taking the excitement away a little bit, really, because I I think when when I've always thought of what it'd be like for Liverpool to win the title it's it's not actually the game itself it's the reaction inside of the stadium and and the way people will react I'm just fascinated to see what it'd be like because there's so many people that don't haven't experienced this before mm. so to potentially do that in front of an empty stadium would be very very odd and not something I'd like to think about to be honest but then is it a know, serious I, I, consideration it, at this stage it is yeah 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 I think I think it's speaking to people it's more a case of when it will happen rather than if it will happen i think i think what what the 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 real positive from from united beating city on sunday was i think it it kind of reduces the chances of liverpool clinching the title in an empty stadium because the hope is now that it will happen before the situation in this country gets gets so bad that those measures are introduced um you know of course you know, effectively liverpool could actually be champions before they even walk out of Goodison next Monday night. The City have to take at least four points from their games against Arsenal in midweek and then Burnley at the weekend. If they don't, then it then it's all over. You know, if if um so, you know, while Liverpool need two wins, it might not even might not even go to the to the Palace home game. But yeah, I mean was, I did a piece today on the Athletic and um speaking to Joe Block from who's the chair of, of Spirit of Shankly. And and he said himself, look, you know, going to the game at the weekend, he said it was all everyone everyone was talking about. It was, you know, he said where where before the chat had been, oh, I know, I want, I want when when it finally happens, I want it to be because of a Liverpool result rather than a Man City slip up. He said now all the talk is the fear of it happening behind closed doors because, mm. as Simon said, you know, people have waited thirty years for this. You know, there's there's a whole generation of Liverpool fans that have never seen never seen Liverpool lift that trophy. And, and you know, and how how cruel would it be for this set of players, the manager, and these fans who have been th- through so much over the past three decades, if if they weren't all there to to share their moment together? 
So obviously the, the first thing is understanding that Liverpool would like to see win the title as soon as possible. You, you've intimated there the possibility of stadiums that are closed to the public. In a perfect scenario, obviously you, you go the full season and have the massive celebrations that surround all the other games. So will history see an LFC side that had that's achievements were, were eclipsed? By a bigger story, a different story. Is that, again, part of the problem that well, we're some, faced with? Some things are bigger than football, and clearly, you know, it's it's you can't underestimate the problem that the world faces. You know, it's a major mm. health issue, which the authorities need to deal with collectively, you know, this time in, in a history where everybody seems to be going in opposite, opposite directions. I think governments are going to have to come together and make a decision based on what's right for everybody really without getting too profound about it but it's quite clear that, that that's got to come first I, I think I mean I know people arguing saying oh well you know flu kills more people etc etc but you know I do I do think with this it seems you know the, the acceleration rate around coronavirus is 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 far more dangerous potentially if it's let to just to just go free as it did in Italy for several weeks undetected and then look what we have there so that could happen here but yeah I mean I, I think that it does feel like a biggest that's what everybody's talking about at the moment I think also the fact that Liverpool have obviously done so well this season and and, and are so far ahead in the title race and it just feels like it's going to happen anyway it feels like I guess in some people emotionally it just feels like we're just waiting for that confirmation now that's it it's not like you know, they're in a title race and they're maybe six points ahead or a couple of points behind and we're not quite sure what's going to go on. So in in some ways, it, it's not the it's certainly not um, the way I ever envisaged Liverpool winning a title this far ahead and then potentially not being in front of fans. I mean, it's going to be fascinating to see what sorts of measures they put in place because I don't think it's quite as simple as just closing a football stadium, no, is it? Because clearly, you know, people are going to, one way or another, I, the, the stories today saying that they, they, they'll put a bar on on pubs and clubs and bars, uh, screening the match if if they have a stadium ban. But if Liverpool win and clinch it, people are still going to pile into the city and go into nightclubs <laughs> and have a good time. That's just the way it is. So they have a lot to think about. It's not just so simple as to say, well, we're going to close the stadium. That reduces the risk because I don't think it does. It could increase the risk if they're not careful. So I, I was speaking to people at the pool this morning and, you know, they the governments apparently are very aware of this, which is encouraging. I just think they need to think about it sensibly at this stage, um, and consider all the, the the you know banning and banning putting stadium bans in place. I don't think is actually potentially going to be the solution to it all. If I'm being totally honest, because you're risking spreading the disease elsewhere. No, right. right. Well, well, on your piece on the Athletic today, you, you talk about measures that have already been taken at the football club and and all Premier League clubs. Yeah. Will have done similar things, won't they? Yeah. So you talk about deep cleans. Yeah, deep clean of all the all the areas frequented by the the players. I know that there was restricted access as well to the to the tunnel area. You Notice kind of increased security. Um, fewer players coming through the mix zone area afterwards. Um, you know, James Milner, who deservedly won the man of the match at the weekend, didn't didn't go upstairs to the the corporate lounges to 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 get his award with, with guests. Told that. Um, you know, it was. It, you know, they didn't want to increase the risk of any player being exposed to, to the virus. Um, if any of the the corporate guests had it, so um, yeah, I think you know Liverpool have done everything they can. You know, those are the right things to do, aren't they? The, yeah, of course. Yeah. I think the club, they, but this the, obviously, the, you know, Liverpool can only do so much, can't they? You know, player appearances for, right through from the first team 
to the academy, to the women's team have been cancelled and um, you know Liverpool doing everything they can to to, to, to try and limit the, the spread of it. But you know, it goes way beyond that, doesn't it? And the same, you know, it's out of Liverpool's hands. You speak to people at Liverpool about the prospect of behind closed doors game, and you know, a senior Anfield official told me they do now regard it as a you know a real threat. But this is way beyond them. This isn't this isn't a, f- a football decision. This is yeah. you know, these, this is health officials. This is this is a government government advice. But as Simon said, they, that's why they need to think very very carefully about this because I think for a start. We're nowhere near the level of cases in Italy where, you know, they they've they've taken that decision for games to be behind closed doors. And also, you're not going to stop fans congregating, and 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 whether it's in pubs or in you know in in restaurants or in nightclubs or whatever, surely they're even more contagious environments than an open air football ground. Um, so yeah, Would there's you a lot for them a, to consider. A suspension of the league, or just, does even, it just not fit in the no, timetable? I, I just don't even think. That's possible because then yeah. you've got the knock-on effect of you know what does that mean for the, the you know the calendar is so crammed as it is that there isn't how would you possibly catch up you know with, with the Champions League as well with with the European Championships coming up in June so no I don't think that's realistic I think I think playing behind closed doors is much more likely I think but the hope is that before it gets that bad in this country that the title will be done. I think what the Premier League are going to have to think carefully about is when I checked with them a few months ago, they said that the trophy presentation, regardless of when Liverpool won it, wouldn't be until the final home game, which is Chelsea in early May. Um, and I think they're going to have to reassess that because I think, you know, why I think common sense dictates that if Liverpool do win it against Crystal Palace, why not give them the trophy then to have that moment in a full stadium um, that they can all share together because you know if you wait, what another five six weeks, the, the you know there's a much greater likelihood that it will be behind closed doors. And you know who wants to who wants to see Liverpool lift a you know that iconic trophy after three decades in in an empty stadium? That would be um, you know it's it's a bit surreal in itself, isn't it? That, you know we, as Simon said, we've been so used to it in the modern era. Where usually when Liverpool have won big trophies and finals, they put their fans through the ringer. There's drama. I don't think anyone quite envisaged this, this long drought ending in this manner with just an absolute procession. But yeah, they deserve that moment all altogether. I mean, it would it would be heartbreaking really if if it does happen in empty ground. Well, the actual moment could change depending on how Manchester City get on against Arsenal, mm. which is, of course, the, the Wednesday night game. And then there is the Goodison derby. Yeah. So if Arsenal, if Arsenal beat Man City, it, it can be won at Goodison. Now, I don't know whether they're going to, if Liverpool were to win at Goodison, put the trophy up at Goodison as just well. Give it them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, the, the, I've been watching, well, you know, I don't want to judge everything through Twitter, but quite a lot of Evertonians sort of, you know, on the wind up saying, oh, you know, you're going to have it taken away from me and all this. It's like, you can just see it happening, can't you? Turning back on Everton quite quickly and Liverpool winning there and, and lifting the trophy at Goodison or something crazy like that. But, <laughs> you know, there were a few people tweeting me over the last 24 hours saying, you know, we should organise a petition to ensure this. And I was like, come on, please take a pause on this. It's like, it's not, <laughs> this is not a Liverpool exclusive story. It's affecting everybody. Yeah. You know what I mean? Don't get me wrong, I, I, I've got sort of, question marks over certain things that have happened and, and, and the discussion around it. But you've got to be sensible about this, haven't you? So I hope people don't start, you know, putting petitions together to, you know, send to the government so Liverpool can have their rightful place, you know, while the rest of the 
you know, the rest of Europe, the rest of the world is like trying to get, you know, find solutions to it. Mm. There is an argument to say, you know, if you look at what's happened in China, you know, that they obviously, you know, it was complete lockdown, wasn't it? For, for, for how many weeks? Three, has it been three weeks in China where it's been total lockdown, three or four weeks? I mean, you could still have football matches behind closed doors in that period and then get to May and maybe reopen at that point. You know, there is that possibility. There's still two months of the season to go. People keep forgetting that, you know, only this time last year. Liverpool were going to, to Munich to play in you know the, the second round of the Champions League and nobody had a clue what was going on, whereas it sort of just feels like everybody's in a rush to get to this point of when they win the league or even try and win the Champions League again. That'll be the big one, the champ. I mean, how the Champions League carries on, I don't really know because that's... Do you, do you have to make it a level playing field for, for all teams now at this yeah, stage? Because well, if some countries decide it's behind closed doors, yeah. does that make it unfair? It potentially does. I mean, I don't think it's an issue of fairness, though, is it, at the moment? I don't think people are thinking about sporting integrity here. It, it's just a matter of, of, of health, isn't it? So, like only today, I could imagine Borussia Dortmund, if you're a player, you must be thinking, I'm pleased, I'm going to Paris Saint-Germain, there's not going to be any fans in there, because mm. Liverpool went there last season. It's quite an intimidating place, actually. The Parc de France, it was noisy that night. I yeah, can imagine yeah. they're going to really get, you know, they would have got behind the team, so... Well, wouldn't Atletico yeah. love to come to Anfield oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with an empty stadium? Well, I don't know. I, I, I suppose I think that Simeone would relish the chance of coming to Anfield and, you know, giving Liverpool a bloody nose if he had the choice. You know what I mean? He's got a great, great opportunity mm. to do that. I know what you're saying. I don't think that Atletico fans who book flights would be delighted if they were suddenly told, actually, you're not getting in. Well, they're already here. I mean, they're we're at the top here, yeah. of the, the Radio City Tower at the moment. There's Atletico mm. fans three days early mm. have been taken in the sights and sounds of the city. It, it just need the thing is it need. I, I know over the weekends the governments, the Premier League, the FSF, uh, Football Supports Federation, you've all been in communication. So very shortly, I think there should be some sort of plan. I suspect with the governments in charge at the moment, they'll. I know there's been some suggestions that they're not going to put a blanket ban on football stadiums, but I think they'll approach this quite aggressively. I'd be surprised if they didn't. Shevchenko scored the winner two years ago. He's up against Duday. Will he hand Liverpool the European Cup? Yes! Yes! European champions! Jersey Dudek with the penalty save! Right, this is the Red Agenda on uh, on The Athletic. For ad-free podcasts, make sure you subscribe to The Athletic and listen through the app. You can get a 40% discount now using the code LIVERPOOLPOD. That works out at around £3 a month. Uh, James Pearce, Simon Hughes, myself, Steve Hoversall, with the Red Agenda. Busy week and, of course, uh, Bournemouth dealt with. Not exactly in straightforward fashion. But I think for a lot of fans, you have got half an eye on the Atletico game all the time, haven't you? It's that mouth-watering. Yeah, and do you know what? It was one of them days as well where I think most fans just went there saying, do you know what, I don't care how it's achieved, just win. Mm. You know, We're at that stage where you know Liverpool aren't playing at their fluent best and it didn't just suddenly click back into gear. It was a struggle and not particularly convincing. Um, Is it a mental thing but, that's weighing them down at the moment? I think there's a number the of pressure? things. The pressure? Do you know, I don't think I don't think I don't think it's really pressure. I think you know it's the same old themes we've kind of talked about before in terms of one, the absence of Jordan Henderson, who, who thankfully was back in full training at Melwood on Sunday and should be involved against Atletico. You know the lack of rhythm we've talked about with pretty much every performance since since they came back from that winter break, and just a lot of a lot of players who have just 
who have set ridiculously high standards over the last six, seven months. Their, their standards have just slipped a little bit. Um, but what you have to admire is the way in which Liverpool responded in the face of adversity on Saturday because that was a ridiculous decision to allow that opening goal for Bournemouth. It's a, it's a blatant shove on Joe Gomez from, from Wilson. And I was amazed at the time that, that the referee didn't didn't blow up for it. And then when you watch it on the replay, you're like, well, clearly VAR's going to... You know, that, that, that's, that is a clear and obvious mistake. You know, quite rightly, Klopp and Pep Linders went absolutely berserk at, at Mike Dean, who was the, the, the fourth official on the day, because... It was, you know, it was, it was, it was a clear foul. Who do you guys question afterwards to get the clarification on that? Where does it come from? Where they say this is why it wasn't given as as a VAR decision because it, it was looked at, wasn't it? The ref was yeah, holding. Oh his... yeah, yeah, it was, it was, it was looked at. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, you don't get the chance to to to, to directly question. Hmm. You know, officials don't. There isn't a PGMOL. No, no. I mean, you response can, Yeah, I mean, you things. can contact. You can contact the yeah the PGMOL. To get clarification on a VAR decision in terms of what was what was discussed and what was the the reason behind their um, thinking. I mean, it, you know, so how's it not a foul? That it's, it's pushed him, well, hasn't it? Yeah, exactly. It's it's utterly bizarre. And it, you know, the other one for me was in the the, the Manchester derby, Oof, yeah. where you know Fred. You look at the replay, and Fred's clearly taken out there by yeah. Otamendi. You know, he gets booked for diving. And you look, look at the replay, he's clearly caught him. Mm. But the VAR reasoning was it didn't feel as if there was sufficient contact for him to go down. And it's like... <sighs> this, is, this is where, again, I think replay is... Slow motion replay particularly don't help. Mm. Because in real time, when he went down, Fred, and we're not talking about Liverpool here, but I thought in real time, if you're watching something in slow motion, it, it lessens the impact, doesn't it, really? I, yeah. I think, you know, if you're... You know, Fred was moving at a fair pace there, taken out, and I just couldn't believe that. I mean, that, that if I was a Man United fan, I'd be absolutely fuming with that. I mean, I know they won the game, and I think, you know, going back to, to Liverpool, I mean, I, I it seems quite clear to me, it was quite interesting watching Bournemouth, because they're obviously a team who sort of try and play football, and they did try and play football, they played some good football, actually, at Liverpool, at Anfield, I thought, on Saturday, but it's quite clear they've obviously got a bit of encouragement from the way Watford's I played the week before, and Callum Wilson was constantly just going around pushing people, just seeing yeah. what advantage he could get. <laughs> it was quite clear that he thought, "All right, so I might get quite a lot go against me, but I might just get one." And then he got one, yeah, and then, yeah. and then very so much on. targeted Joe Gomez as well, yeah. didn't he? With yeah, his well, tactics, yeah. Liverpool. It's it's quite clear Liverpool's defenders, you know, are very good on the ball, and I think over the course of the season they've been winning so routinely that I think some teams have just sort of thought, you know, give up against them almost. It's like, well, let's not pressurize them and. Suddenly, like you know, you, you've got Wilson, you've got Deeney, so it's just just you know sticking a leg out, you know, just just getting in the way sometimes, and it can be enough when players are a, a little bit in 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 sort of a, you know just coasting along a little bit, and you know I think Liverpool definitely sharpened up the second half. I actually thought it was a really good performance by Liverpool, all in all, to be honest, because it was a classic sort of performance that you'd once haven't gone through a bit of a sicky spell, you know, a number of times that you see that in football where. A fancied team loses one or two games, and everybody's like, "Here we go again." And then you just—I thought he played with a lot of confidence. Actually, I know obviously Bournemouth nearly equalised at the end. I thought Liverpool passed the ball; they kept going, they kept on creating opportunities. He should have had the game wrapped up, I think, really by half time with, with the sort of the domination that they had. So we pick out a couple of positives for for Liverpool. I mean, Salah's goal put him on what seventy goals in a hundred Premier yeah. League games. First I half, mean, he was brilliant. I'm still hearing brilliant. people yeah. criticise yeah. Mo Salah. He was he was so good. I yeah, thought the yeah, first yeah. half again. I mean, 
we've talked about it before, but his, his game has changed a little bit. I, I think he has become a bit more diligent when it comes to his positional sense and his hard and mm. his work rate. But I just thought the first half he was he was really at it. You know, he was he was right on it there, and and he was the one who I thought would look like he was going to sort of change the game really, and he did change the game because. The finish for the goal was not easy. You know, it was a terrible pass by. Did their right? best I mean, to mess it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it was an awful pass. I think Salah. I mean, he didn't even celebrate with Mane, didn't he? It was another one of those. Like this, for some reason, the two of them try and make it as difficult as he as possibly can for each other. You know, I think there. I think there is a bit of a rivalry between. I'm not saying that he deliberately passed the ball badly because <laughs> I don't think he. You know, that, that would never happen. But it was quite clear Salah wasn't happy with that pass. Was it after the goal? He didn't go running over to him, yeah, celebrating yeah. with him, did he? So, but you know, I wasn't surprised actually when he, he dug it out and scored because I thought he, he he was outstanding and his record is incredible. You know, he's he's you know he's just so strong, isn't he, on the ball and I can't shake him off it. You know, I, I thought it was a. Excellent first half performance. A bit quiet to the second half, but uh, he sort of gave Liverpool the the this I uh, saw sort of the, the the impetus to get back into it. Yeah, I, I thought he was absolutely brilliant on Saturday, and and that was massive as well. That because I think the the you know if, if Liverpool had, had been behind for another 10, 15, 20 minutes, I think the anxiety levels would have would have just cranked up a couple of levels in the stands, and then that transmits to the players. So that was a that was a really big moment to. You know, to pick up what was a pretty horrendous pass from Marnie behind him, and have the composure and the technique to to stick it in the bottom corner. And it is bizarre that you know, you, and you're right. I, I meet even on Saturday night an event in town, meeting Liverpool fans who, oh, do you think you know? Do you th- so do you think we'll sell Salah and bring in Sancho in the summer? And you're like, what? What? Like on what planet are you living on? Because why? Why would anyone want to? Seriously consider selling. We should be cherishing this Salah. player. Yeah, he's yeah, he's yeah. delivered unbelievable yeah, he's, stats that can't he, be matched. And he's coming into the peak years of his <laughs> career as well. Mm. So the the idea that you'd even think about offloading him is just absolutely ludicrous. Mm. I mean, you're right. You know, that that was another landmark you know occasion for him. Mm. You know, 100 Premier League appearances for Liverpool, 70 goals. No player in Liverpool's history has ever been that prolific in the top flight in their first 100 league games for the club. He's now gone past Luis Suarez. Um, as Liverpool's highest uh, overseas scorer in the Premier League era, and as Simon said, I think his his game's evolved as well. He's a lot more than just a goal scorer. Mm. He, you know, he's a real creative force. He occupies defenders. You know, his movement creates space for others. You know, he 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 works so hard for the team. Um, you know, and if Liverpool are going to get past Atletico on Wednesday night, I've got no doubt that that Mo Salah will 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 play a a big part in that. So. Um, he is absolutely sensational, and whether it, you know, again, whether it does go back to because of what he did in his first year, and he hasn't, you know, he was never going to match that. But whether some people thought he would score forty-four every season, and judging by those standards, um, then you know, maybe that contributes to the way that some people see him. But those people need to st- take a step back and appreciate Mo Salah for for what he is because he's he's absolutely world class. If you, if you look at his stats, uh, uh, Jamie Carragher said this Sydney on Sky the other week. You know, a lot of that. A lot of that is um, down to his availability. You know, he's mm. he's very rarely injured. And I remember when um, when I went to Egypt. I think I may have mentioned this before, so I do apologise for repeating myself. But is this Aston Villa away? Get to mention again. <laughs> um, but but I remember speaking to people there, and they were talking about you know his core strength and how you know physically he he realised he had to be different di- different to other Egyptian footballers because he was saying you know. Egyptian footballers tend not you know, not to necessarily mm. live a healthier sort of healthy lifestyle that maybe they do in Europe and he was totally different to that you know he sort of was in the gym 
from a very early age thinking I need to be like Ronaldo basically I need to have that physique you know I'm not going to be as tall as powerful but if I can make that core strength it'll it'll increase the possibilities for me in Europe and I just think that's underestimated in his, his play just how powerful he is. he's a strong player you know when you put that ball into him you know there's, there's that little pass that the, like Trent makes you know on the corner the edge of the, the 18 yard box now where he has the, the capability to hold the ball up a little bit even though he's not the biggest I just think he's such a strong player. You try and knock him off. You know, you're not knocking yeah. him off the ball. Are you? you see that with the way he rolls defending. Yeah, he's brilliant. At he's that really, end. really good. The way he uses his body, I think, is has got better. You know, a lot better. Like me, my dad was saying, not that he's he's right about everything, but he, he said, <laughs> uh, you know, it, 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 there's elements sometimes when you're looking at it, it is it is it is a bit like Dal Gleish in the sense the way he you know uses back. He's good with his back to goal. He's much better with his back to goal than people realise because I think you just associate him with speed. Well, Mo Salah, um, long may he continue with his uh, his stats because absolutely phenomenal. Seventy in a hundred. You, you mentioned um, Trent just to pick out a slight negative from the game. I'd always wondered how Trent could stand at ninety degrees and get a corner in. <laughs> And I always thought, well, I'd just kick that over the the dead ball line. And he did it, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> the, the weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he has this remarkable way, doesn't he, of lining up. It's almost f- like a, a rugby player who's you know, trying to kick it over the post. You know what it reminds me of? Remember when Chabby Alonso used to do that from time to time? You know, because he was such a good passer of the ball, Alonso, wasn't he? Every now and again, he'd just do some... Like, he'd be like, he's just totally either got his angle wrong or he's, he's miscalculated what he's trying to do because he's maybe overthinking it a little bit I don't know but I remember Alonso used to do that from time to time I was like what has he just done there? like he put a pass like across the field and it ends up in the you know upper row of, of the centenary stand or something ridiculous <laughs> like that you know I think Trent's got a bit because he, he's always trying to do things a little bit differently mm. you know I think because his passing is so good Sometimes he's going to get it a little bit wrong, isn't he? Well, he is human. Yeah. Um, James Milner isn't human. So, <laughs> at, so at his age, to do what he did, clear the ball off the line, it's phenomenal. He didn't injure himself again. I mean, only just coming back from an injury, isn't he? Uh, but he, he showed one of the most remarkable pieces of desire, timing, skill. You can attach all sorts of things to the way he took the ball off the off the line. Yeah. Uh, phenomenal at that point of the game, and the whole of Anfield rose to that. Yeah, oh, that was a it was a huge moment. It was, you know, it was as good as a you know as a, as a as a winning goal at the other end, wasn't it? It was that it was that crucial in terms of the outcome of the game, and you, you watch it you watch it again and again. It gets better and better when you mm. you look at the the speed in which he, he reacts so alert to the danger when when Fraser lobs lobs the ball over Adrian. Um, yeah, just he's just a supreme professional, isn't he? And it was it was interesting listening to to Jurgen Klopp speak after the game because he said he said you know he said sometimes he said I feel as if we almost talk too much about what you know Millie as he calls him does off the pitch in terms of he said you know people always ask me about you know what is he like in the dressing room you know how important is he with the younger players with the standards he sets and all the rest of it he said but let's not forget he's still got a huge amount. You know, to to offer on the field, and he said that was the reason why before Christmas, Klopp personally got involved and said we, we need to sort this contract out because you know people were wondering whether you know as, as it was getting closer to the new year and he could have he could have signed a pre-contract with an overseas club if he wanted to whether there would be a parting of the ways because it was you know well known that he was on you know decent decent money at Liverpool uh, having arrived as a free transfer from Man City, but. Um, yeah, I think it was a no-brainer giving him that two-year extension. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't give a two-year extension on that kind of money to many thirty-four-year-olds. 
but he isn't your typical 34-year-old, is he? You look at the way in which he, he's looked after himself. Um, you know, I think we've talked before about when, when they do the pre-season bleep tests at Melwood, you know, there's there's always one man left standing at the end of it, and it's it's James Milner, and that was that was still the case at the start of this season, which is is testament to how well he he looks after himself. Um, and, and even he, you know he was caught on video pre-match, yeah, was gonna, wasn't he? Doing yeah, the motivational yeah. stuff, yeah, yeah. And I love that he was a phenomenal you know, sort of um, insight into perhaps a, how he can influence the others. Yeah, yeah and it I definitely think, needed that, didn't it? Yeah. I I th- I think you know the last couple of weeks they have missed. A bit of Milner and, and Henderson. I know. Definitely. Some, some, I, I mean, again, the conversation on, on Twitter sort of dilutes things into stupidity sometimes, and you get people saying, "Oh well, Henderson and Milner have been there in the past when they've had bad defeats." So how do you explain that one? You know, and it's like, well, yeah, but Liverpool are on such a good run. It's all about this here and now. You know, they they, they clearly have missed a bit of leadership on the yeah. pitch in the last couple of weeks. Mm. Just like a voice sometimes, and those two particularly, you know, are very on top of any little mistake. You know, they they will dig players out. You know, all the time, you know, I've spoken to one or two of the the players this season and, you know, particularly Henderson is very sharp on standards. If somebody plays a stupid pass, Henderson's saying, don't do that again. It's not like, you know, telling off. It's just like keeping people sharp a little bit. And you can tell Liverpool's play hasn't been quite as sharp and that they've suffered. And I thought, as I said, I thought the performance was better than people actually think on on, on Saturday. I thought Liverpool were were, were pretty good. And he he plays a major role in that. I mean, I, I think he'll... He's going to end up playing until he's 40, isn't he? He's never going to get, give up. I mean, I, I can see him playing for Liverpool for obviously seeing out the two years in his contract and then maybe he'll want to go back to Leeds, won't he, at some point? He's got to want to go back and play for so. his yeah. career there. But he's, he's, he's been a great signing for Liverpool. I mean, to, to have, he'll have five years, season, five seasons out of him now. He's a fact, he's 20, 2015, so he's had five seasons and he's played a massive role in, in different positions. Better, does he like left back or not? Hates it. <laughs> no, hates does it. he hate it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he hates it. Yeah. yeah, his heat map's virtually the same as Andy Robertson's. Yeah, he <laughs> so his heat it. map against Bournemouth yeah. uh, compared to Robertson's against West Ham. Yeah, yeah, so but you never see. Hates you know, it. Do you think? Do you think hates a bit strong? No, I don't. He doesn't like. He really doesn't like playing there. because like, he, I, th- I think he feels it's just not his his best position. It's not his yeah. best position. Yeah. I think if you were to play in there. Every game, certainly if you play him right. I don't. I think he's a better left back than he is a right back. Actually, Milner. I know Klopp's plays him right back a few times. I think left back because he a lot of players, a lot of teams now tend to play with um, right sides of players on the left, so it sort of helps him defensively mm. a little because he can go inside. But um, I do think you couldn't get away with playing him there every game of the season. I think Robertson is obviously you know the first choice left back and brilliant player, but. You know, he's definitely... People forget, don't they? Barcelona, 4-0. Played left-back second half, didn't he? And that's another massive role in the game. You'd never see his frustration. I don't think he gets frustrated. I just think he he sort of... I think it goes down, goes back to the fact that all, all the way through his career, you know, because he's been so diligent with a lot of his performances and with all his performances and managers have found it easier to, to put him in different positions, which hasn't been for the benefit of him, but has been for the benefit of the team. And I just think at the age of when he was started playing left back for that one season, he was thirty-two. He was like, he's not really coming here to play left back, you know. But you wouldn't have seen that in his performance because he's just so, yeah. so good, you know, mm-hmm. so attentive, right on it, you know, never lets you down. His tackling was brilliant, you know, booting players all over the place. I, I love all that. I remember when he when he first came to Liverpool, he said that one of the one of the big reasons behind it was that Brendan Rodgers has said to him. Yeah, I guarantee you'll be sent in midfield because he he was frustrated, as, as Simon mm. said, that he felt like 
he was because he because he is so professional and just gets gets on with it that he was always the one that would be shifted around or you know you can feel this gap this week that gap next week or you know you won't even get a game the following week so you know it's ironic in a way that now you know five years down the line almost he's there playing left back for <laughs> for, for Liverpool in a in a title winning team um but no he, although he hates it you know he, he and he has openly admitted that he, he also you know he knows full well that when he needs to do a job for the team that's more important than anything and he kind of he epitomizes that that kind of um professionalism that runs through the team the one the one line i think that i love about him and i think it's it's very clever from Klopp you know because he he obviously knows how to make players feel good about themselves but he would have been upset I would imagine not playing starting the champions league final but Klopp was like i want you there at the end because I know that you'll, you know, That's you'll clever, do. It's it? very clever. I want you there at the ends, you know. So there is a tense. You want to start the game, but imagine being the sub when the final whistle goes as well. You know, like he was on the pitch when that moment of absolute exhilaration. Mm-hmm. This goes back to what I'm talking about. You know, with the, you know, winning the league. You know, you want to be there. Don't what you? sort you of person to... are you, Sam? Do you want to be on at the start? Oh, I want to be ends? there all the time. Yeah, <laughs> I want to be there all the time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, I, if I had to choose. Start or I'd be absolutely gutted not to be starting, to be honest. But oh, I think the yeah. end's the one yeah. you want. Yeah, isn't you haven't it? got ninety minutes in you. <laughs> <laughs> come, on, come on for the last yeah, ten. Definitely you not. see me in Madrid, haven't you? In that press game. <laughs> the Red Agenda is brought to you in association with Stitch Fix, an online personal styling service taking the hard work out of dressing well. Uh, if you want to get started on that one? Head to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic. There's a style quiz there. You can tell the guys about your personal style, budget, size, shape, and your clothing needs and wants. And then a personal stylist will send you out five items of clothing, each handpicked especially for you from over 100 brands, including established names and some up-and-coming designers as well. So there's loads of stuff in there. Uh, you try everything on at home and style with other items in your wardrobe. You then pay for what you really like and send back the rest. And so for your stylist time, you pay a tenner, and that's deducted from the cost of anything you decide to buy. Uh, remember, you try before you buy. Delivery and returns are free both ways, and you don't need a subscription to sign up. You want to get started on that one, it's Stitch Fix. Uh, go to stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic right now. Stitchfix.co.uk forward slash athletic. And wear some great gear. Lisa puts oh. it back into the box. Header on goal. Oh. oh, he's got it. And the captain has delivered a blow to AC Milan. They may be three goals down, Liverpool, but Steven Gerrard has urged the thousands of Reds fans inside here to get to their feet. A headed goal from the captain. This is the Red Agenda on the Athletic. Uh, Sammy Hughes, James Pearce, myself, Steve Hothersaw. And who isn't absolutely charged up by the idea of Atletico Madrid and Diego Simeone and a buzzing Anfield <laughs> and everything else that's going to go around, not just the 90 minutes, but the whole periphery of this game yeah. on Wednesday night. This is delicious, isn't it? If, if, if it is the last game for a while in front of an audience, you know, that, and people are aware of that as well, it's going to go on to another level, I think. Because it's not... I mean, I think Liverpool fans sort of respect Simeone for his passion and clearly, you know, loves the club that he manages as well, doesn't he? Because he, he could have gone anywhere really over the last six or seven years. And he's getting a bit of stick at the moment for, you know, the style of football and they're in a bit of a transition period, Atletico. Because if you sell your best player most summers, which I think they're always at risk of doing that, you know, it's it's, it's always it's difficult to sort of get results season after season after season at the very top end. But... I do think he's that sort of character that um, 
the Liverpool fans at Anfield will be absolutely desperate to see fall on his sword a little bit for the, some of his antics. I think they love all that. I mean, Liverpool fans do love all that. Obviously, they love seeing it from Klopp. Mm. But it's just a classic sort of, you know, well, he's managing their team, so we're going to do everything to sort of upset him a little bit. And I, I'm very much looking forward to it. I think I'd, be, I'd just be very surprised if Liverpool didn't go through. I just think that they've... Is the key element don't mm. don't concede a goal, particularly yeah. early doors? In yeah, this. yeah. I, I think if Liverpool concede, I, I I think it'll be tough for them to go through, and, that, and that's why, you know, it's got to be, a con, you know, controlled. Yeah, be aggressive. Yes, be positive. Yes, be inspired by the atmosphere and take the game to Atletico. But you, you've got to have control because that was the thing that worried me on Saturday against Bournemouth was that still, although there was a lot to admire about some of Liverpool's attacking play. I still felt Liverpool were too open and that Bournemouth got at Liverpool too easily. And I was sat there watching that thinking, if Liverpool perform like this against Atletico, it won't be enough to go through. Now, I think it'll be a different type of performance anyway because the atmosphere will you know, will be so different. You know, the European nights at Anfield are incredibly special. Um, but a big improvement is going to be required. We, we saw in the first leg how difficult it is to break Atletico down. And there's not going to be any surprises whatsoever about how Simeone sets them up. It will be to to frustrate and to stop, you know, Liverpool getting any momentum go, you know, going, and you know, built into that will be the dark arts. You can guarantee that they'll from the start they'll be time wasting, they'll be play acting, they'll be trying to influence the referee. Um, you know, I think the referee will have a big part to play as well because I think. The poli- oh, huge! He was awful in yeah, the yeah. first. Yeah, half, yeah, wasn't yeah. Well, he? He, was, he, was he was so ref- influenced. I have. I didn't, yeah. Simon yeah. Marcianak. Uh, what what um, nationality? Did it say? Um, can't find it. I'll find it in a minute for yeah, you. Yeah, I continue yeah. so, talking. So he think, didn't have a good game, did he? So thankfully, it's a different referee from the first leg, anyway. But uh, he was very poor, the Polish referee in the first in the first game, and I think you could see he was he-, he was heavily influenced by his surroundings in terms of the hostility in the in the stands from the Atletico. Mm. Fans and and also from Simeone's players and you know and, and they surrounded him and and got in his face and of course Klopp had to take Sadio Mane off. I think you know he, Klopp said himself afterwards that Mane wasn't too pleased with that decision. I, I'd expect a big performance from him. So yeah, I think he, just to go back to the referee. He referees in the Polish league at the moment. He's just thirty nine years old, so, right. he's, so he's relatively young. Sorry, that's the ref for the first leg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know who it is for this leg. Right. But, ah right, sorry, we have to double check. Yeah, so we can only hope on on improvements on that front. But but that will be key, I think. Yeah, oh, a hundred percent. And particularly with the way Atletico perform in a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I was speaking to Jamie Carragher last week for a piece on writing ahead of the game, and he was saying he kind of compares it in terms of the games he played in <laughs> to to the Chelsea semi final in two thousand and seven, which he said you know, similar scenario in terms of losing one 0 away coming back to the home game and he said you know the big thing is patience that you haven't you know he, he said even if it's nil nil after an hour that's fine you know that that is not you know that is not a disaster by any stretch of the imagination Liverpool you know one nil you know take takes the game to extra time Liverpool don't need to do anything stupid and be reckless and I think the big thing will be keeping their heads as well because you know they Atletico will be trying to get a reaction they, they you know they, they, Liverpool are going to have to be really careful that they don't rise to the bait from from uh, Atletico. Mm. And the, the big thing for me will be fascinating how Klopp sets the midfield up, because I th- I think that's a real dilemma for him. You know, I think. And is that the question mark around Fabinho and his form since yeah, he's yeah, returned to the side? Again, I thought on the weekend, you know, there was there were signs of Fabinho getting back to his his levels, and then he you know then he'll, he'll make some careless mistakes and. 
the protection for the back line hasn't been the way it is. Mm. You know, Henderson back in full training. I don't think Henderson's been out long enough to, to fear that whether he would be fit enough to start the game. Uh, you know, I, I would throw Henderson straight back in. And then what does Klopp do? I think, you know, even Milner, I think, has to, should come into the equation for, for one of those three midfield spots. Um, if, you know, and then, of course, you've got Wijnaldum. And if you want, you know, a, a more attacking look to the midfield, you've got Oxlade-Chamberlain, you've got Naby Keita. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't I don't see Klopp picking a team that is really all-out attack in terms of the balance of that midfield because I think he'll know himself that control and discipline uh, and experience is probably going to be absolutely key on the night because um yeah you know it doesn't need to be a massively open game I think it's it's very different isn't it to say say Barcelona last for for a start you know it almost felt like there was not that much pressure that night because mm-hmm. it was like who you know in who in their right mind expects Liverpool to turn this around from 3-0 down and then also it was like well we've got to just go for it because that is the only way. I think this is very different because, you know, the, I think it's a 50-50 shout in in terms of the, the, the way that the tie's set up. And yeah, Liverpool, is, yeah, they need to They have to historically had to do it in different ways, haven't they? So Borussia yeah. Dortmund left late. Yeah. Chelsea game you mentioned, scored early. Barcelona game entirely different. So there's different ways of looking at they've They've shown they can adapt as a football club to whatever is needed for the way they do it. I have referee news. Go on, who is it? It's Danny, I think it's pronounced Makaleli. It's not to be confused with Claude. He's from Holland and he is a policeman from Dortrecht. <laughs> right? And um, Liverpool, I've had him three times. Oh. They've won two, drew one, lost none. I'm just trying to find out what games they are. But yeah, I've read that out. So yeah, I'm not being particularly smart. Um, but yeah, I think it is, it, touching on what James said there, I think it will be very interesting to see whether Atletico can keep their heads in this environment now. Like I, I think I mentioned in the previous podcast, the right back, the Croatian right back, I always struggle, struggle with his surname, Vrlushko. I think it's something Sounds like that. Sounds good enough. He, he plays in the World Cup for Croatia and was always on the verge of getting sent off, but just managing to get away with it. And he just seems to be one of those characters who I think might actually finds it quite hard at Anfield if he plays, you know, if he's constantly under pressure and the crowds are getting on him. And I would I would be pretty confident that he might get sense off him because he just seems to be one of those characters who, like, always plays on the edge. And, you know, if you're playing on the edge against a top-class player, then Mane, who will be desperate to prove himself against this player and this team and being taken off in the last leg, mm. you can just see that, that contest being key. So the Mane factor is really interesting, isn't it? So, Having yeah. come off at half time in the in the first leg, Definitely. do you think that's will niggle with him? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he hasn't. He hasn't. I, I don't think. I mean, he obviously scored the winner on Saturday, but he hasn't been playing that well, has he? The last few weeks. I mean, he he got better. I think as the game went on, but this is the sort of game you can just see him really having a go with this because he got to, he basically got taken off because he got wound up by another player. Now, a, a player with the quality of Mane will be thinking about that, and he'll want to put it right. I would think. Right, lots of questions uh, coming in on the Red Agenda inbox. Enerick says, um, do you see us reverting to Henderson, uh, Millie and Gini Wijnaldum in the midfield? Would you prefer that given Fabinho's form? I know you just touched on it. Would, I, would, I would you guys? Yeah, yeah. personally, yeah. if I was picking the three to start in midfield, I would go Henderson, Milner, Wijnaldum. Um, and then and then have Cater, Oxlade, Fabinho amongst the subs if, if you need to, to change it. Because I, I think... You know, Liverpool's players aren't afraid of being annoyed, if that makes sense. You know, like when Alza missed out against Barcelona last year, he was obviously very annoyed. 
But I think a lot of Klopp's management is about how you get a reaction off people. And I can imagine Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, he's been frustrated by his performances since coming back into the team. I think he's been doing slowly okay, but clearly not quite at the rhythm that you'd expect. But having, you know, I thought he plays, did all right, sitting the first half against yeah, yeah. Bournemouth. I thought again, it was good first and half. He obviously yeah. got taken off. If he's not in the start, I'll have and I imagine he'll be really annoyed by that, <laughs> to be honest. Which, which which three are you picking in midfield? <sighs> are you I, staying with Fabino? I would I would stay with Fabino, yeah. Hmm. I would stay with Fabino. And I, I would I would start with Henderson and Juan Alves on either side of him, personally. Uh, Dave in our inbox describes Fabino as being very flat-footed. Um, I wouldn't say he's been flat-footed. I just don't think he's been as sharp as being as quick. You know, I think that was his... his he used to be able to move the... Not used to be able to, he's not that yeah. much different, but he could, he, he could move the ball on really yeah, yeah. quickly. I don't think he's, it's like he's been slow to... Because usually when you talk Recycling. about flat you, you're sort of thinking about players and he's too slow to react to problems when they're coming your way. And I, I, I just think he hasn't been as sharp. You know, he, he, I remember when he first signed for Liverpool and that was Klopp's big thing about him. Like he, he sort of needs to play higher up the pitch. Much higher up the pitch, mm. he, he wasn't wasn't happy. I think he's been doing too much of that, dropping too deep sometimes to receive the ball. You know, Hend- if you look at Henderson when he plays that number six role now, he's much higher up the pitch than, than Fabinho's been. So I think he needs to think about that. Um, I mean, I, I'm quite surprised actually that he hasn't Klopp hasn't put Ryan Allison back there for a game just to sort of take the pressure off Fabinho because it's hard when you've been injured for two months and you're basically forced to play all the games you know it's hard to get to the speeds of, of things particularly when all around you isn't quite at the tempo as well I mean he's, he's I just think over the last few weeks it's not just one player that hasn't been I think that the whole team hasn't been playing particularly well um, and I think Fabinho I mean you've seen his quality last season he was absolutely sensational I thought you know one of the best players in the Premier League uh, best players in Europe last season. I just think he, when you've had two months out in your midfield, it's not always easy just to come back in the team. It's not. It's hardest position to do that, I think. You're both essentially saying, in terms of the other midfield, Henderson will be all right for, for midweek. There's no yeah, indication yeah, he was, he was, that he won't. He was yeah. back in full training at Melbourne right. on Sunday. So, uh, Other questions that we're getting in. Right, let's shift to a few of these. So James has written a piece on um, the Athletic talking about um, the silhouettes on the the wall at Anfield oh, yeah. and at Melwood. The wall's called what? The oh, uh, the Champions Wall Champions at, at Melwood and the Walker Champions. Is that right? Yeah, the Walker Champions at uh, okay. Anfield. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so it would have to be changed come the end of the season with uh, with the Premier League added. At the moment, it has the old First, First Division, Division trophy yeah. on it. It's created quite a debate, actually. <laughs> I was just going through your timeline there of what yeah. people are saying. Some are saying, yeah, just yeah. put the Premier League. Others are saying, well, no, just leave it as the old one because, you know, why should we forget that football was about before the Premier League? Yeah, and I, and I think what they'll probably end up having to do is a combination of, of the two because I don't, I don't think you can't... A lot of people have I've noticed on, on social media have said, well, just change it to the Premier League trophy. But I don't think you can do that because then that suggests mm. Liverpool have won that trophy 19 times, which they won't have done. Um, and also, I completely agree with I think what Liverpool have already decided is you can't just create another column because and otherwise that almost plays into the idea that this is some kind of new accolade in football that only started in 1992. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think they're going to have to almost whether it shrink shrink the old first division trophy on that on that uh, champions wall and uh, and find room for the premier league trophy alongside it and uh, and change the 18 to a, a 19 um which is obviously easier to 
I think they'll obviously do it at, at Melwood and then, of course, it'll get transferred across to Kirby when they move to the new training complex in July. Um, slightly more difficult to achieve at Anfield where you know, I think the, a lack of space on the wall means that they might, might actually have to, to completely redo that, the artwork and the, the, the Walker champions, which the players see when they when they come come down the tunnel after games. So, um, but, the, but yeah. the actual number 19 is really relevant in all yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the, that's the biggest thing. You speak to people and they say, well, because they don't want it, you know. It, as far as Liverpool are concerned, quite rightly, they this is number nineteen. It's not the first Premier League trophy. It's nineteen, and it's moving to within one of Manchester United's record haul of twenty. Um, so, uh, so yeah, some discussions over that ongoing about how best to update mm. the honours board. But um, I think it's fair to say in the last week or so, kind of those meetings have have gone on the back burner with slightly more important issues to contend with like coronavirus yeah that's not the first thing uh, on the mind loads of questions about your mate Werner (laughs) (laughs) never a week goes by on this podcast without Timo Werner give us an update Uh, Simon Simon, you seem to be the man in the the know about this Um, any truth in the Werner deal including a loan back to Leipzig for a year is is this a new one that's emerged I think that was in build today oh was it right it's okay I haven't it's not I haven't heard that I'd be Um, I'd be surprised if that was true on the basis that and I'm sure Simon would back me up on this. That um, no, <laughs> go on, please. That the, obviously the one of the one of the basis of Liverpool wanting someone like Timo Werner is the fact that their next season they'd be losing two of their elite attackers for at least a month, if not six weeks, for the Africa Cup of Nations. Then you've got the potential mm. issue with the Olympics as well if that goes ahead. Um, so it wouldn't make an awful lot of sense to me if you decide that you need another elite attacker to. To, to provide cover if you then mm. sent him back to where you just bought him from for a season. James is spot on there. He's absolutely <laughs> spot on. We'll just agree with him, won't we? Um, I, I saw you were down on the list for potentially uh, stepping into the under-23 role, James. This, does, does, 500 this, to one. this deserves a show in itself, doesn't it? it does. The rise, the rise and the cult of James Pearce. As, yeah. as a bookmaker, actually put you on a list yeah, as a Paddy, prospective pa- manager. Paddy Power had me on they the They know list, a good yeah. PR stunt, don't they? Yeah. Um, Can you confirm or deny then? But I am fully committed to the athletic. Oh, I, brilliant. It's, well, it's Yassine flattering. says, have yeah, you been yeah, interviewed yet yeah, for the role? Yeah. But I, I can't control speculation, no. Simon. But, yeah, um, what people can't see is wearing an athletic hoodie as well. <laughs> like he's just Mr. Athletic. <laughs> have you got ambitions to step into management, James? Goodness me. <laughs> uh, there's, there's so many other things on it. A lot of them are surrounding things like um, when would the trophy be handed over, um, title parades. A, a lot of this is just... We can't say at the moment. I mean, it it could change this afternoon or tomorrow, couldn't it? Mm. Are we expecting something this week? Is that? Do you think something definitive will come, or are you expecting something in in dribs and drabs over as as the situation escalates? Yeah, I I, I think it just at the moment we're just at the mercy of how quickly it does escalate in the UK Mm. because it is still at a relatively low level, isn't it, compared to some other countries across Europe. Um, right, boys, thank you very much. I think we've run out of time, haven't we? That was Red's gender on the athletic. Anything you want to give a shout out to that you've written recently? No, no, no none of my <laughs> way. Um, no, we, we, we've got this event in, in Dublin next week. Um, sold out. So isn't it's it? sold out, yeah, yeah. 300 people. So hopefully that doesn't get cancelled in a confined space as well. Yeah. We'll have to find out. Don't want to set panic across the streets of Dublin. Um, but yeah, Hopefully James that, that hasn't be started good. his managerial career yeah. by that point. Well, Liverpool might be champions and James might be the under-23 20, <laughs> manager. Could it's all be changed. It's a strange old world out there. It's all changed. James Pierce, Simon Hughes. Thank you very much. I'm Steve Hovers. So the Red Agenda's back in a week.